Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Pet Resource Radio. Today, we're talking about who we are, what we do, and our plans for the future, and having a conversation with our founder and CEO, Michelle Rivera, all that and more on this episode of Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. I'm Sierra Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro. And you're listening to Pet Resource Radio from the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We're a nonprofit organization whose goal is to keep pets and people together. We'll be telling you more about us in a bit, but first we have some pet news. So it's no secret that venomous snake bites can be fatal to both dogs and cats and to everyone. But dogs actually have a much higher risk of dying than cats do. In some cases, as much as uh, twice as high a risk. Now, a study out of the University of Queensland in Australia is helping us understand why that's the case. Associate Professor Brian Fry and PhD student Christina Sedenik led a team of researchers to look at the effect of snake venom on the mechanism in the blood that helps with clotting. See, the name for what usually ends up killing pets that are snake bite victims is called venom-induced consumptive coagulopathy. That's a fancy science way of saying that the venom from the snake affects the pet's ability to form blood clots, meaning their wounds won't stop bleeding. The research team used a machine that's called a coagulation analyzer to test the effect of a number of different snake venoms on cat and dog plasma and found that all snake venoms worked faster on dog plasma than cat plasma. This means that their blood would fail to clot faster, making dogs much less likely to survive. And not only that, but the researchers also noted additional behavioral reasons that might lead to a more dangerous situation for dogs. Dr. Fry says that dogs are more likely to examine something with their nose and mouth, whereas cats are more likely to use their paws to swat, as we all know. The difference, the nose and mouth are more vascularized, meaning they have more blood vessels. And because the recommended thing to do when bitten by a snake is to stay still to minimize blood flow and stop the spread of the venom, dogs' relatively higher activity level compared to cats heightens that risk. So as we head into summer, please watch out for snakes and know that their bites can be fatal, especially to dogs. So our name, the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, is new, and it represents the support we provide our community of pet owners, specifically those who are struggling to make ends meet. But as an organization, we are not new. We've been around since 2002, and you might know us as Spay and Neuter Kansas City. We're a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to keeping pets and people together. And why is that? Well, the rewards of pet ownership are immense. Studies show that they can have a positive impact on your well-being, not just emotionally, but physically as well. The animal-human bond works wonders. We see it every day in our work. A man living alone, very slowly recovering from a stroke, discovers a big energetic dog in his backyard, and lo and behold, his recovery actually speeds up by having someone to love and take care of. A woman in chronic pain whose dogs lay with her when all she can do is just wait for the worst to subside, People whose pets have been with them through disease and the loss of family and natural disasters and brought them joy and comfort and hope. These aren't just made-up examples. They're real clients that we work with. These are people that I've actually met. Barb, the woman who has the two dogs, had actually lost three of the people in her family that were very, very close to her. Um, It was her mom and dad and a sibling. Um, 
within the span of a year. And those dogs were her constant companion and support through all of that and her chronic pain issues. And just because something like that has never happened to you, it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Those people who need the companionship the most, people living in poverty or who are homeless or maybe have just hit a rough patch, they are the most in danger of losing that companionship. And again and again, we've talked to folks who are willing to give up their pet because they simply can't afford to take care of it. And they think that it's the only way they can make sure their furry family member can get the care they need. And they're willing to sacrifice because their pet is a member of our of their family, just like all of ours are. And families are better together. We honor the bond people share with their pets by providing not only affordable pet vaccinations and spay-neuter surgeries, but also the key component of what we do, outreach. By providing resources to pet owners like pet food, leashes, tie-outs, crates, and so on, we help keep pets in loving homes. So they're not taking up space in some shelter somewhere that's you know, a space that could be for a pet that's truly homeless and needs a forever home. This is something that we call shelter intervention. And we could talk about it forever. So we started a podcast. But let's have Sierra sit down with our founder and CEO, Michelle Rivera, to talk about the organization's past and future. So in order for us to talk about the many great things we're looking forward to doing as PRCKC, it's important to understand how we got here in the first place. So today I have with me Michelle Rivera, the CEO and founder of Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, formerly known as Spay and Neuter Kansas City. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being on Pet Resource Radio today. Thank you for having me. How did SNKC come about? So I started in animal welfare back in the late 90s, and I actually started working in an animal shelter. And at that time, I really had no idea the status or the state of animal welfare in Kansas City. And it was several years that working in, in the shelter that I later found out that thousands of animals were being euthanized in our area shelters. To that fact, over 25,000 were being killed in our area shelters just for space. Um, I continued to work at the shelter, but I was working very hard to find innovative programs or other uh, resources to help decrease the number of animals being killed. And spay-neuter obviously is the most um, successful uh, program to help reduce the surplus of pets in our community. I approached the organization, and that just wasn't something viable for them to look at. And so I left and started Spay-Neuter Kansas City on my own. And... First, it was solely just surgeries? Sure. So I started out, yes, I started out to spay and neuter every four-legged animal in the city. We started with rescue groups and slowly grew um, to owners. And then we figured out, hey, let's, we, it's great that people are calling us a spay and neuter, but what we really need to do is go after those people who are not, because those are the, probably the pets that are more susceptible to, um, you know, having a litter uh, or contributing to the surplus of pets. And so we started a door-to-door canvassing program, outreach program, where we're going out to talk to people about the importance of spay and neutering. And then vaccines, was that kind of all at the same time? or? So we, we looked at the program as a whole, and we thought, you know, this is great that we started spay and neutering thousands of animals every year. But we were also looking at, but what happens to the pet afterwards? We want to make sure that the pet stays healthy, right? So the investment that we were making with our donor dollars and our grant funding what was was important, and, and at the, on the back end, we wanted to make sure 
that those pets were going to stay in those homes. So we started an education program, outreach program, vaccination program, where our intent was to educate people on keeping their pets healthy long after they were spayed and neutered. And then also providing them basic resources, resources that would help deter them from relinquishing their pets to the shelters. And so it's safe to say that eventually our organization just outgrew its name. Yeah, we've spayed and neutered over 130,000 pets and have reduced the surplus of pets so much that, you know, there's no more animals being killed in our shelters, first and foremost. But a 30% reduction in, in shelter intake and over 50% decrease in animal abuse cases and neglect cases in our community. So that's huge. And, and while we're going to continue to spay and neuter, our, our, our mission, our focus now is really that pet retention and keeping pets healthy. And why did we pick the name Pet Resource Center of Kansas City? Well, that was a year-long process for us. It was very difficult. We took our time, but we wanted the name to fit us perfectly. So we did work with a local marketing company that that listened to us and listened to our needs and our visions, and they helped us pick out our name. And I think it's very fitting uh, for all the work and effort that we do in our community. What types of projects are we currently working on as Pet Resource Center? So our focus and our vision um, short term is to provide spay and neuter vaccinations and pet food pantry to those in need right now in our community, as well as additional resources where we might be able to work with our local shelters and our rescue groups to be that intervention program that says, you know, that helps those pet owners who, who are faced with having to relinquish their pets that, that we stop and we say, hey, are there local resources in town from food pantry to just basic behavior training or something where we can deter that pet from having to be relinquished to the shelter? And what other projects or big things do we have on the horizon? One of the things that we just started, and, and especially with COVID, um, we we've are started a mobile clinic mobile clinic where we can go out to help those pet owners in the neighborhood. And that's important for multiple reasons. First, we want to keep our staff and our community safe, but it also helps us to get out there and see the situation that the pet might be living in and and help us to assess whether that pet owner needs additional resources, a dog house or other, you know, parasite control or whatever it might be. We want to make sure that pet is living in a happy and healthy condition. And so you see us continuing mobile vaccines once COVID eventually goes away? Yes, I, I not only mobile, but, but pop-up um, education booths at, at street corners and community centers and really immersing our team. I see more, more and more of our team and volunteers working deep into our communities to help bring the services to the people in need. And then... I know these past few months aren't necessarily what we all had imagined, but are there is there anything that we have learned during this time that we'll take with us moving forward besides the mobile vaccines? Like any other big things, projects, services? I, I think the one thing that we've learned is is we're working more efficiently. We're, we're, we're looking at different ways that we have to serve our community. And I think the way that we are serving them now because of COVID and keeping um, people safe is actually truly more efficient than the way that we were doing things before. Thank you, Michelle, for being on Pet Resource Radio today. We all appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Thank you.
Well, we hope you enjoyed the interview. We're proud of the work that we do here, and we're really glad that we get to share it with you under this new name that better represents the entirety of what we do. But honestly, it's been a little serious around here, so let's have some fun. It is time for a game. Okay, this is Family Feud style. I've got, uh, Sierra has no idea what's coming here. Nope, that is a fact, but I'm ready. All right, so what I have here in my hand are the top 10 reasons that people relinquish pets. This is from 2019. Um, I'm going to say top top five answers on the board, okay? Okay. And because they have it divided by dogs and cats, but they're actually the same, the top five. So let's go with that. All right. Um, give me one reason that people relinquish their pets. They cannot afford either medical expenses or other resources. Not in the top five. Okay, okay. Am I going again? Yep. They have a baby. Okay, this is going well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to give you. I want to give you a hint. Do you want a hint? No, I don't want a hint. I don't want a hint. All right, all right, go for it. Just say it over again. Give me one of the top five reasons for pet relinquishment. Pet restrictions with landlords? All right. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that is uh, number two. You know what? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to retroactively give you another one because you know what number four is cost of pet maintenance i think you, you folded a couple things into one answer but yeah because i can yeah i did okay. i did do that you're all good so i should get two dings Thank okay you. there we go um and that's gonna be let's talk let's just talk about these how about that okay okay we did you did okay i gave you you five I failed no, i clearly no, failed no. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. So the number one thing is is moving. Um, and I think moving and landlord not allowing pet, which are, are one and two, kind of get folded into the same thing. I would think so, too. And that's actually something that we see a lot here. Um, it's not just a matter of it's it's sometimes landlord restrictions. It's sometimes people are moving um, to a place that just isn't going to be good for their pet. Um Sometimes uh, there's any number of reasons that people do that. But one of the main things that we try to do here is in terms of shelter intervention, we're trying to make sure that that isn't the case. Um, One of the things that we found, one of the things that we've found um, more often than not is that, you know, the people that are getting rid of a pet because they're moving or they are, their landlord doesn't allow the pets, is that they don't really have an option. Um, in order for them to move into a place that they can afford, it's usually, you know, sometimes it's uh, lower income housing, um, some situation like that. You end up with a pet owner who thinks that this is the only way that they can move to this place that they can afford. And to be honest with you, it's kind of a travesty. And it's one of those things that when you, you know, donate to us, here at the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, um, you're helping us work 
with landlords, work with prospective tenants um, to try and and get people into places that are pet friendly and to get landlords to understand that it's important for places to be pet friendly if you want happy, healthy families living in your properties. Now, that's not something that everybody wants. Some landlords don't care. Um, And then that's where, you know, the legalities come in. I mean, there have been several states here in the past six months, I want to say, that have actually passed restrictions on banning pets from rental properties, which I think is fantastic. Um, Number three on the list was too many animals in the household. Now, I see, I wouldn't have thought of that. I honestly, I was a little bit surprised by it too. But again, it's one of those things where what, what it comes down to in the end is it being a matter of resources. Um, you know, maybe these people with too many animals in the household didn't have money to get the pet fixed and they ended up with a litter and nobody would take the litter of dogs and they didn't know what to do. And so they end up with a bunch of dogs and it's just too many and they end up having to take them to the shelter. Whereas, you know, programs like ours, we come in and we, we work with people regardless, like we don't, we don't turn people away for their inability to pay. That's what it boils down to. Um, because it's important. Those services are super important to make sure that we're preventing that huge, you know, outflow of pets that, that end up in shelters. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it can be, it can be frustrating, I think, sometimes to see how many people don't know what resources there are out there. Um, and one, two, three, four, five, wait, number four, cost of pet maintenance. So that was folded into, you know, what you said. Which would include. Which includes medical. Yes. Yes. Um, well, there, well the there is, so if you go all the way down with dogs, pet illnesses is further down the list. Okay, see, okay. So it's there, it just wasn't in the, so just wasn't in the, and honestly, the difference between some of these, it's like 7%, 6%, 4%, 5%. So they're all pretty oh. equal in terms of yeah. the respondents. But um, they're all equally important. They are all equally important. And I think that's the main thing to remember is, you know, if whether we're talking about moving or a landlord not allowing a pet, if we're talking about too many animals because they didn't have resources to get them fixed, if we're talking about um, an owner being in, one of them is an owner having personal problems, um, which in truth could be any number of things. Um, it could be that a relationship has fallen apart and a person has to move and has to move to a place where they won't allow the pet. Um, it could be that a person is in, abusive re- in an abusive relationship and they have to give up the dog because they're they're scared. Abusers will often use that as a way to get at the person that they are abusing. And some people would rather just give up their pet and, and hope that they can get a better life for that pet than rather than see them go through something horrific. Um, and that's the long and short of it. It's There's so much caring and so much love going on. And it's difficult to see people struggle and to watch them give up something that they love very much because they don't have the resources. So that's what we aim to be, is that resource. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, you know, there's this weight or like this feeling of embarrassment that you carry whenever you have to ask somebody else for help. And we don't ever want anybody who comes to our clinic to feel that way. 
we're always going to be here to help you and your pets and we're going to do it now as Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. And it is true, you know, there is a, a stigma that comes with being uh, poor in this country, and it's very unfair. It's very unfair. We've all hit hard times. We've all had difficulties in our lives. And there are times that, you know, I've been through where my pets have, have meant everything to me. Um, and I can't imagine what it would be like to have to give them up. And But, you know, would I be ashamed to ask for help? Yeah, probably. Um, but the thing is, we always give help without judgment. Our, our whole approach is a non-judgmental approach. And that's one of the things that's so important when we do outreach work is that we are going out into the community, seeing people, um, like Michelle said earlier, seeing people's you know, where they live, doing mobile vaccinations, going out into the community, seeing what resources they need, and just being out in the community and being a presence will bring people to you. And especially when you approach them in a non-judgmental fashion, you become a part of that community. And that's one of the things that's the most important to us because there are, you know, people in the community that that have the best of intentions but don't always approach things in a non-judgmental fashion. And that can make things very, very difficult. Um, but uh, we will always be here for your pets. Okay, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again to Michelle Rivera for sitting down with us. Our website is prckc.org where you can find all of our information and find out ways to donate so that we can continue to do amazing work in our community. We'll be putting out new episodes every two weeks, so if you enjoyed this show, make sure you subscribe and write us a review, good or bad. We want to hear what you have to say. I'm going to disagree with you. I only want the good reviews. You got questions, topics you want to see us cover, or just want to give feedback, email us at podcast at prckc.org or reach out on social media on Twitter at, at prrpodcast. And on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash prrpodcast or just search for Pet Resource Radio. Uh, we'll be posting about new episodes, links to sources for our show, and of course, resources for pet owners. We'll also be sending out a call occasionally for folks to give us questions they want to ask a vet on our well-named upcoming segment, ask a vet and now we say goodbye to you for sierra and myself tail wags and purrs to you and yours and as mark twain said when a man loves cats i am his friend and comrade without further introduction but then of course as the great comedian elaine boozler said my fashion philosophy is if you're not covered in dog hair your life is empty Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, hosted by Sierra Howe and myself, David Shapiro, produced, engineered, and edited by David Shapiro, music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Hazel Raw Musical Industries. 